The Lord be with you. <clears throat> A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he's asleep, he'll, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death. Well, they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I'm glad for you that I was not there that you may believe. So let's go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and he's asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up and quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. 
Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to him, untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amidst Lent here, we're reading the best gospel passages from, from John. You'll remember the man born blind and the, the woman at the well. Some very long dialogues with Jesus where people encounter him, but we read on them. It's almost five minutes long because they're representative of some major and important truths for us. And meditating, reading again over and over every year, these dialogues illumine our own experience of the Lord and how we need to grow in love with him. And sometimes we're so overwhelmed with so many pieces of it, it's easy to miss some of the key ones. So allow me to help us meditate and reflect on just one, and especially there at the beginning. Picture the the beginning of this scene, the beginning of the passage. The messengers arrive, you know, running, perhaps tired and breathless, and come to Jesus and anxiously they deliver this one sentence message, you know, that Martha and Mary had sent them. Go find Jesus and tell him this. Lord, the one you love is ill. And imagine them running with this message and finally being able to deliver it to Jesus and expecting some kind of a response. Oh my God, really? He's ill? Oh, tell me. And, and off they'd be running back with Jesus, perhaps they imagined. They are eagerly waiting, and the apostles also look, but how is Jesus going to react? This Lazarus, we know Jesus loved. He stopped there regularly on his way back and forth from Jerusalem, Bethany right outside the city, stayed overnight, spent time with him. Perhaps he's going to want to run and fix this. And then Jesus gives them his answer. We'll pause on his answer just to go back to this phrase the one you love is ill. It's beautiful how Martha and Mary phrase this and send this message. I think there's a message here for us. They could have said, Lord, the one who loves you is ill. As if because Lazarus loved the Lord and he gave Jesus a lot of love, that Jesus, kind of out of simple justice, he deserved to go take care of this friend who loved him. Like, respond to Lazarus' love and come heal him, come save him. As if Lazarus was the focal point and his human love for Jesus would drive Jesus into action. They could have said, Lord, come and heal Lazarus who's ill. Almost focusing on the need, right? Lazarus is ill and his illness, his sickness, his, his situation should spark Jesus 
to come heal it. Like the problem is big enough, serious enough, important enough that Jesus has to respond. He's almost obligated by this, this evil, this illness, this sickness. But they didn't focus it that way either. I think they offered perhaps the perfect prayer because they knew Jesus so well, they knew how to motivate his heart. They said, Lord, the one you love is ill. Jesus couldn't resist a prayer like that. The one that's in your heart, the one that you love, is suffering. Jesus, your love should move you to go heal him. Your love should spark you to action. And in fact, that's the whole drama of salvation. It's God's love that sparks God to create out of nothing. The world and all its beauty. It's God's love that sparks him into action to create your eternal soul and make you exist before you. You didn't exist. No one like you existed in the world. And God in his unique and passionate love says, we need that in the world. We need you. We need whatever your name is, fill in the blank. We need Mark. We need Joe or John or Mary or Sue. We need that. And his love drives him into action. He wants to express his love. And that's what moves Jesus. It's what moves the incarnation. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It wasn't for the world was such a disaster that God sent his only son. Or it's because things had gotten so out of hand that then God finally said, enough is enough. Let's get off the throne. Come on, time to do some work. And it was so comfy here. It was out of eternal love. He so loved the world that he goes into action. This all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God isn't distant, but is moved by love for you. And perhaps we doubt that sometimes. The crosses, the challenges, the sufferings of life make us doubt that. Understandably, I guess, from a human point of view, even Martha and Mary struggled. If you had been here, he would not have died, they said. Both of them say it. First Martha in her conversation with Jesus, and then Mary later on in her conversation. But if you had been here almost to say, this wouldn't have happened if you were here. Like, had you known, had you been aware, this wouldn't happen. This evil's impossible if you almost, and we run into that as well. Like, where it, this couldn't, I couldn't be suffering this if God was really all-knowing and all-loving. He wouldn't permit it because his power and his love just couldn't stand this situation I'm in. And God knows and loves everything. And what happens? What's his answer when they tell him? He waits. Mysterious. God waits. Jesus waits. He waits until that death, that evil, becomes even more dramatic, more definitive. Lazarus dies. Not only does he die, it's been four days. He doesn't just, the nick of time, <laughs> rest you. He lets it end. And why? And he says it, so that the glory of God, so that you'll believe. When it's so clearly evident, it's all impossible, all completely lost. Nothing could save this situation. That enemy we all fight against most dramatically, death itself, 
the thing that no one can bring us back from when we're totally beyond our capacities. God comes in, and what does he do first? Take me to him, he says, and he weeps. He's moved by the drama, the suffering, the despair, the discouragement of his children. He has a heart for them. He suffers too, and I think that's the first thing. God suffers with us. He weeps with us, but his love doesn't just immediately fix us. He brings us into the mystery that will be the ultimate victory. He allows us to experience the death and resurrection. He speaks into that mystery, and he comes and he saves. Just want to briefly tell a story that I think also enlightens us. I have a, a friend a younger man who, who struggles with mental illness, and despite the efforts of all of his family to help him, uh, he was in that stage of a bit rebellion, not wanting the help, went off on his own, moved to a big city, and after you know months of living there was really in a bad way. The end of his rope, the, the, the illness had gotten more and more the best, incapable of really holding down a job in a very unhealthy living situation, very poor, wandering the streets, etc. One night, as he tells me, was, was wandering the streets at night, quite in despair, quite in a dark spot, and he saw somebody kind of walk by him and walk into the door of a church downtown. As they opened up the door, the warm light came out, and he was like, where are they going at this hour of the night? It's probably one or two in the morning. So he curiously goes in and sees it's an adoration chapel. A woman is doing her one, two in the morning time of prayer before the Lord, just humbly going about her devotion. He walks in, he sits in the back, and as he's sitting there, it's all flooding back to him, his faith, his family, the experiences he had growing up, how distant and far he was away from all of that, and he begins to weep. And so much so that it begins to be loud and noticeable. He starts to even voice it, like, in his despair. He's like, how far? That's what he said. He told me, how far? How far have I gone? Like, how did I end up here? And this person of faith kind of hears and notices, gets up, comes back, sits with him, holds his hand, and cries with him, right? Moved by his situation. They didn't talk too much, he said. Eventually, he kind of composed himself, saw that it was over, she goes back, and he leaves, and that became the impetus. He realized that God and others were just there waiting for him, weeping with him, present in his pain, and waiting for him to just open up and willing to begin to let their love save them. It wasn't because that love, they needed to open themselves to receive it. He needed to open himself and receive. And from there, he got better. Thanks be to God. He started to respond to his family's offers to help, moved back, got into a better place, and thanks be to God, he's, he's in a good way now. That's what the Lord does here for Lazarus. He comes into his, and that's what he wants to do for us. Come into your reality whatever it is, whatever seems so great, whatever death, whatever cave, whatever heavy stone has you blocked, 
bring the Lord into it. That's what this whole Lenten experience of conversion is. God wants to come, stand outside, and say, Lazarus, come out. He wants to call your name, come out. That's not where you're supposed to be. It's not where I created you to be. It's not why I came to die for you. Get out of there, come out of there. I'm waiting for you, I'm here. I don't want that. I came to restore that order, that disorder that happened with my love. So as we continue in this Mass, brothers and sisters, that's the mystery of the Eucharist. That's the mystery of God's presence and love. He doesn't want the evil that kills us. He comes to conquer it, to transform it, to enter into it himself, take it upon himself and change it with the power of his resurrection. So as we go through this Mass, I encourage you in that offertory that we do and as we lift it, Put all of that that blocks you, all that that stands in the way before you and God, whether it's small or big, all those fears, all those anxieties, all those sins, give them over to the Lord and let him transform them and then nourish you through them. And as we know, one of the great traditions of the church in this time of, in this time of Lent is confession. Confession is that experience. Walking into the tomb, the confessional, the dark space, where we come before the Lord and speak to him. And he says, I love you. I forgive you. And we come out new, saved, different. So whatever sin we're, that's an important sacrament. Don't underestimate it. Don't leave it aside. Don't go months without it. The church asks us once a year if we have mortal sin. But regularly to go, put it before the Lord. Don't carry it around. He came to take it away. Give him that grace. Give yourself that grace. And let the Lord take that away through the gift of the sacrament of confession. God bless you.